Hi everyone, and welcome to episode five of the Alley on the Run show. I'm your host, Allie Feller, and I want to thank you all for tuning in today and supporting this show through its first week. Today's guest is a great one. Obviously, that's the point of all this, right? Today, I'm talking to Alice Saunders. Alice is the mastermind behind Forestbound, a Boston-based company that makes and sells bags made from historic textiles. So I know you're like, okay, but what does that have to do with running and why should I care? Well, Alice's bags are awesome. I have her super popular escape bag and I get compliments every time I take it out. And trust me, I find every excuse to take it out. Alice got her start on Etsy back in 2007 and her designs blew up fast. It wasn't long before she was getting orders from Anthropology and Urban Outfitters. What started as a fun hobby turned into a full-time job and Alice became an entrepreneur. She's totally self-made and she does all the creative and all the business stuff for this operation. I was so excited to get to chat with Alice because we grew up together. Alice and I went to school together in good old Hopkinton, New Hampshire, starting all the way back in first grade, and we were super tight throughout elementary and middle school. She was the scary spice to my baby spice. But then, as Alice will tell you on the show, I became preoccupied with dance and she decided to go the punk route. So we drifted a bit once we got to high school. But Alice and I reconnected over Facebook a few years ago when we discovered that we had both become runners. I love that running is something that, no matter when you find it in life, can connect you with people in such a special way, and that's what happened to Alice and I. Alice reached out to me to talk about running, which I was so psyched about, and as I was trying to break four hours in the marathon, she was cruising her way to a Boston qualifying time at the Eugene Marathon, which must be a magic marathon since Alice is already the second person on this show to rave about it. So group trip to Eugene, anyone? I'm also excited to be hosting a giveaway with Alice for this episode, our first giveaway on the Alley on the Run show. Alice has generously offered to give away a forest-bound escape bag, like the one that I have, to one lucky listener of this podcast. To enter, all you need to do is leave a review for this show on iTunes. It's super easy, and you could win a bag, so why not? Leave a review before Tuesday, February 21st, so you have a week to get it done, and I will announce the name of the winner on next week's episode. If you've been enjoying the Alley on the Run show so far, I would love if you would subscribe and rate and review the show on iTunes. I'm having a blast so far, and I hope you are too, and eventually I promise I will stop bugging you to do the whole rating and review thing. Now, go ahead and enjoy my chat with Alice Saunders. Okay, so Alice, we are talking Hi. for the first time since like yes. a million years ago. I know, so long ago. So today we're talking to Alice Saunders, and I wanted to bring Alice on the show for a bunch of reasons. She's a super successful business owner, super creative, and she's an awesome runner. So those, of course, make her the ideal podcast guest, but also we grew up together. Yeah, we've known each other since what, first grade? Yeah. Um, yeah. and we had like our little posse in elementary school, which like, I look yep. back now and I'm like, we were the mean girls, weren't we? Oh my God. Yes. We, we were totally horrible. Were. Yes. <laughs> and I think that one of the girls in the group is still a mean girl, but that's only because Definitely. I, I lost touch with her. Um, cause she was mean to me later on. Um, but I look back and I'm like, wow, I looked nice in my like Elmo t-shirt that I wore every day for sixth grade, yeah. but I think we were mean. Yeah, I've thought about that a fair amount too. Yeah. So at least we were like pretty young. You know, it wasn't like high school. It was like elementary school. 
yes. high school, we all kind of like drifted and did our own thing. Yes. Like by then I was like, I'm only going to be friends with people I dance with. So bye. And right. You, and like, I like went to I private like... school. No, I didn't. Didn't you go to Dairyfield for like five minutes? No, no. Um, I was just, I was always at Hoffington, but I was like, I like punk rock. I'm going to hang yeah. out with all these older kids. And <laughs> yeah, you were so punk. You were like grunge punk. Yeah. And yep. I wore leotards under all my outfits because I needed everyone to know that I was a dancer at all times. So good old high school. Yeah. Um, all right. So if anyone is listening from Harold Martin or hey. um, or middle school, we're sorry if we were mean to you. I hope that we weren't. Um, yeah. And thank God there was no internet back then. Oh, so it was pretty my God. Yes. Thank God yes. there was no internet for many reasons. But today I'm not here to talk about our past. We're here to yes. talk about your success. Only now. or we could talk about some some good things about the past. Yeah, our our yes. highlights. We did do right. plenty of good things. Um yeah. so in true running format, I call the opening segment the warm up, which is mm-hmm. I just want you to tell everyone who you are, where you are and what you do. Um great. Okay, so my name is Alice Saunders, as you know. Um I live in Boston specifically Jamaica Plain, which is a really incredible neighborhood in Boston. Um, I went to college here. I went to Northeastern. So I've been here ever since then. And I have my own company called Forestbound, and I make bags, canvas and leather bags. And I've been doing that for almost 10 years. Um, And yeah, that's what I do as my full-time job. So you are an entrepreneur and a creator, which I love, because um, I think you. usually usually we associate entrepreneurs with like very business people, which you are. Totally. But you're also the the creative brains behind the operation. So tell me a little bit about where Forestbound came from. Like, did you go to college saying I want to design bags someday, or no? Kind of how did that happen? Not. So it actually kind of happened by accident. Um, I was doing some farming and organic landscaping work um, when I was in college. And during the winter, you know, it's New England and it's cold and snowy, so no one farms. And I was like, oh, well, I need to make some money. And it was around the time Etsy had started. Um, And I had always kind of made – I had a sewing machine in my apartment. I always made little, like, zip pouches and bags and give them to my friends and family – Um, so I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll open an Etsy shop and see if anyone wants to like give me money for the things that I make. And it just kind of exploded and very naturally turned into a business. Um, so I had two other, two or three other jobs at the time. Um, and after about three years, I had to quit my other job so I could do forest bound full time. Um, but it very much just started, I was not at all intending to start a business. So I look back on it and I'm just like, I, I don't know how I did it. You know, I didn't invest any money. It just kind of happened very naturally. Um, and I was in my early twenties. I had no idea what I was doing and it just kind of happened. Did you have any help? Like, did you have a mentor or who did you ask questions? Like if you were like, what do I do about paying taxes. Like, I don't know, just really adult things that are adult things, but very specific to business owners. How did you figure all that out? So there was a really great online community, um, 
a lot of people that had businesses that were kind of similar to mine in their size and like very creative. A lot of people that were early on Etsy. And at that time, everyone was writing in blogs and it was less like Instagram now. And it was like the focus was very much on blogs. So I felt like I had this really great community and a lot of people were just kind of at the same stages in their small businesses as mine. So we talked to each other that way. And like, I remember when I got my first purchase order from Urban Outfitters, like I didn't even know what a purchase order was. I didn't know how to like use their UPS number to create a shipment. And I had a friend at that time, um, and her business was also starting to sell with anthropology and urban outfitters. So we would call each other and just be like, Oh my God, what does this mean? Like, what is How do you do this? So there was a lot of that. Um, and my oldest brother is a intellectual property lawyer. So he has always been really great in advising me. And my dad was really good kind of helping me with the like, all right, well, you need to go talk to the accountant and get that all figured out. And so I have, I had these couple, like a couple people in my life that were really, they weren't like business specific. I never really sought out anyone like specifically like small business, but more just people in my life who kind of what they did lended itself really well in terms of like giving me advice. And do you like that challenge of like figuring out all those logistical things or are you ever just like, I don't want to do this. I just want to make bags. Yeah. So that's always been the biggest hurdle for me because I'm not, I'm not a business person. Um, and like doing the books and the back end of thing, back end of things has always been a struggle for me. And it's only within the last like two or three years that I feel like I have a really, really good handle on it. And now I can say like very confidently, like I do my bookkeeping every day and like, I really have a good handle on all of it. Um, but for years I really struggled because the whole reason for doing the business was because I loved this creative outlet and other people loved it too. Um, and so that was what my focus was. And the back end of things, the bookkeeping was always just kind of like, Oh, I guess I have to do that now. And if I could go back and do it all again, I would probably do it much differently. Um, of course, but I right? was, you know, like, yeah, I was like 25 and I was like, I just want to make bags. Like, Oh, I'll do my bookkeeping later. Yeah. I'm still in that phase where I'm like, I want to be a freelance writer. Wait, how much do I have to pay in taxes? Oh, I yes. was supposed to be setting that aside all year crap. Right. I look back yep. at the first year and I'm like, Oh, the lessons we learned. Right. And I, but that's also a big part of it too, is like, you know, when you start a business or, you know, when you do freelance, when you like go out on your own, so much of it is just lessons and like learning things. Um, and so I try not to be too hard on myself when I'm like, Oh, I probably should have had a better handle on, you know, all of my bookkeeping early on. It's like, you know, it's all about learning and yeah. growing and doing things better. Like as you, you know, as you get further on in your business. Yeah. YOLO. You yeah, know. exactly. Um, so when did you know that you had, you know, you mentioned that you got an email or a call from urban outfitters wanting to do an order with you. How did you, was that the first time that you were like, Oh wow, I'm really doing this or kind of what was your, I hate to call it an aha moment, but what was your, <laughs> when did you know that, this was going to work out? Um, it was probably right around that time. Um, I would say that was maybe like within a year after I had started. Um, and I think there were a couple of different factors that really 
were kind of in my favor when I started Forest Bound. One was the timing because Etsy was like really new still and there weren't that many people on it. So it wasn't like totally oversaturated. Um, and I tried to take really good photos um, that were just kind of different from everything else that I was seeing. And the bags that I was making were all with um, vintage textiles. So I would use old military canvas and old grain sacks and feed sacks and remake them into bags. So there was no one else really doing that at that point. So my product just kind of stood out in itself. And then I tried to take really good photos. And so I was able to kind of stand out on Etsy a little bit. And I was featured in a number of Etsy blogs and someone from Etsy came and did a video tour of my apartment at the time. And when I started Forest Bound, I was living in a house with seven or eight other people. And my studio was like in this weird attic room. Um, so I had some like press early on that was really great and got my name out there and my photos were shared on, you know, blogs and Tumblr. Um, and I just got noticed, I think because it just, there weren't as many people doing it back then. Um, and so it was kind of easier to get noticed. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm obsessed with your stuff. I, wanted uh one of alice's bags is or the forest bound bags it says in big letters escape on it the escape bag and i wanted it for like three years and i don't like i don't know why i didn't just get it for myself like i go to lululemon and spend how much on a pair of dumb leggings and yeah and the bags are not like crazily priced like i, I could have bought myself the bag and finally this year my mom was like i need your christmas list and I was like, I really want one of Alice's bags because also, like, I don't want to go to Nordstrom and buy a bag. I want, like, yeah. I just love being able to support people I know and shop local and all that good stuff. Um, and she actually got it for me, which I loved. And a testament to your customer service, there was a little handwritten note to my mom in the bag, which we both thought was very sweet. But I every time I bring that bag with me, because I find excuses to use it, I'm like, oh, I'll use it as a gym bag today, just because I like love yeah. carrying it around. And I have gotten compliments on it every single time I bring it out. Oh, so, that makes me so happy. Um, I need to just like stock my bags with your business cards. Oh, yeah. Like, Go buy her stuff. I'll be like your hype girl. Um, so I remember, and I don't think this was too long ago, what happened with, was it anthropology? Yes. Scandal. So, yes, big scandal. Well, I guess it wasn't wasn't that big in the grand scheme <laughs> of things. Um, but I've I actually worked, I've been working with anthropology um, on and off for a long time. I've done a number of like special bags for them and like collaborations, and I was actually in talks with them um, to carry the escape bag, and then. Um, so, like a customer, a couple customers had sent me messages on Instagram and email with photos just being like, hey, I saw this in anthropology. Like, is this your bag? I was like, oh, nope, that's not. But it looks a lot like mine. Um, and so this is one, you know, an instance where it's really nice to have a brother who is a lawyer and specializes in this. So I just, you know, text my brother. I'm like, oh, so this happened. And then he does his thing, which unfortunately we've had to do a number of times before. 
Um, and I like to, I, I try to deal with these sorts of things privately. Like I don't really like to, you know, put it out there on the internet and like cause a big commotion. So I really, I tried to deal with it privately and emailed them and asked them, you know, just like kind of get more information about the bag, the details about it. And they were just like, they just didn't respond in the way that they should have responded, especially since like I've had an established relationship with them. Um, and I just felt like I needed to put it out there. So then I wrote a post and put it on Instagram and on my blog and, um, my, I have the best customers in the world. They're so sweet and everyone was super supportive. Um, and anthro never wrote back to me directly, but they pulled the bag, which is fine. That's great. Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew that I was kind of sacrificing my relationship with anthro and urban, which was a little sad just cause I have worked with them. Um, but you just, you can't steal someone's design, especially when you have an established relationship with them. And it looked exactly the same, but like, it did. I'm sure it wasn't as like, didn't have that amazing quality that yours do because obviously no, it's, time just, it's, it's but made it, in India, you know? It's, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> but it was a direct ripoff. And I remember being like, whoa. And you know, that's something that most people don't face or have to deal with. Like, right. obviously there's copyright and plagiarism that happens all the time. But like, guys, this is like ninth grade stuff. You can't yeah. steal other people's work. And expect to not get like caught or called out on it in this day and age when like literally everything. Sorry, my dog is like scratching herself. Um, when, uh, when everything is on the internet now, you know, it's like someone is going to see it and someone is going to tell me. Yeah, so don't be shady, and <laughs> she wants to take part in the conversation. Just have to take her collar off so she doesn't <laughs> single triangle. Um, and people, if you're listening, and if you have the option to shop small, if you're like, oh, well, I can either get this at Target or from this cool local girl, get it from the cool local girl. Yes, please. Because Target probably stole the idea anyway. <laughs> right, and it makes such a big difference. It really does. Um. So you have a line as part of Forestbound, the Long May They Run line. Yes. Tell me about that. So that was an idea that was kind of in the works for a long time because running and fitness is a huge part of my life and it brought so many wonderful things into my life. And so I'd always kind of been thinking like, well can I use my platform in some way that's like not related to bags, obviously, but like, how can I bring in fitness in a way that still ties in with my brand? Um, and so, so I had just been thinking about that for a while. And then as life kind of progressed, um, fundraising and raising money became a big part of my life. Um, and at that point, I was raising a lot of money for the Association for Frontotemporal Degeneration, which um, I was doing that because my dad was really sick. And so it kind of just became this project where um, I was hopefully going to raise some awareness um, for the organization, for the AFTD, and also just put the message out there to run or bike or do yoga or just use your healthy body, um, 
in honor of people who don't have that ability anymore. I love that. And that's so running. We haven't even really touched on running yet. Running is kind of how we somehow reconnected because we didn't, you know, we didn't stay in touch at all throughout college or, you know, as most high school kids do, you graduate and you are like, I have all these cool new friends now. Bye. Um, and we reconnected on the internet. Yeah, I think I don't even remember exactly when, but I had seen your blog and that like you were training for marathons and running. And like at that point, I had started running. You had just running started marathons. running. Yeah. Because I remember like, you know, and to throw it back to our past, like I was the little dancer girl. You were like yes. the punk, like too cool yes. for school. Like, like not at all athletic. No, I mean, I'm surprised that we didn't see each other when we were both like hiding under the bleachers while everyone ran the mile in gym class. Right. Because like yeah. I for sure, Katie, Sif and I for sure did not run the mile. We were like, we're going to hide under the bleachers. And then we like <laughs> jumped back in for the last lap. And Mr. Martin was like, I saw you hiding under the bleachers. You didn't do it. <laughs> and we were like, yes, we did, Mr. Martin. Like you weren't looking such and liars. it was just you remember like re- the thought of running a mile so was far like, yes it was so horrible. far and yeah. I remember I did it in 10 minutes I mean I did it. I think I like I literally hid under those weird wooden bleachers out in the play, yep. like the field because god forbid we have a track at our school right. we no. had a field and you just ran a bunch of loops <laughs> but I remember it being 10 minutes and I was like either the slowest or the second slowest. First of all, I didn't even actually do it. Second of all, I was still the slowest and everyone was doing it in like five minutes. These little I mean, I was probably behind you. Like I was definitely You were still you. under the bleachers. You were like, I'll just come back <laughs> yeah. out. I'll just meet you guys right. at lunch. Like, actually, I'm going to be sick for the next few days. <laughs> I live here now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Alice and I were not athletic in school. Um, so yeah, then we reconnected, I think like via Facebook message. I think you yeah. reached out to me and you're like, hey, you're running. And I think, I feel like you had a question about like a sports bra or something. Like it was something yeah. so random. And I was like, wait, I'm a runner now. You're looking, you're asking me questions. Wait, you're a runner. It was like the wildest thing for the two of us, which is what I love about running that you can totally start at any I age. I know. And it's like such a wonderful thing to reconnect on to. Oh yeah. And then all of a sudden you were like, oh yeah, I just ran like a three something marathon. And I was like, that's cool. I've been trying to do that for like six years. Um, so you, what made you want to start running? Um, so running, so I started running around the time that my dad got really sick. Um, and I, like we were just talking about, I was not athletic at all. Um, well, I mean, maybe in middle school, I was like, a good defensive soccer player and I like play basketball, but in high school and later on, you know, high school and college, I just was not athletic. I was vegan. Um, so I like thought I was healthy, but my kind of veganism back then was like French fries and breaded tofu cups. So, um, so my, my dad had always been a runner and it was a huge part of his life. Um, he was a marathoner. He was like, he was, he ran Boston and, Yeah. He ran, he ran New York. Okay. New York. And, um, he ran, I I think it was like pretty much every weekend he was running in a different 5k around town and he just loved it. And he ran every single day at lunch, five miles. Um, and so he got sick or he was diagnosed with dementia and it just kind of, I just like, started to run. Um, I think kind of 
not even intentionally. I wasn't like, I'm going to start running now. I was just like, I have all these feelings and I don't really know what to do with them. I think maybe running would help me. And so I started running and it just kind of like clicked in my brain and just in my body. Um, and it became a really good coping mechanism for me. And at what point did you say, did you decide to go from that to, I'm going to train for a marathon? (laughs) So, um, I'm trying to remember. I, I mean, I had been running just like pretty casually for maybe a year or year and a half. And I was also like, you know, kickboxing and going to the gym and lifting weights. So I was just like getting really into fitness. Um, and it started to bring, it started to make me really happy. And like, I lost 30 pounds and it was just like, it was just such a wonderful part of my life. When, um, when my dad was first diagnosed with dementia, he was still like healthy. Um, and it was more just in his brain and with his speech, he was having, um, you could just tell that something was going on, but he wasn't really, really sick. So I was able to run and like call him and talk about it. And he would talk about the run that he went on. And then we ran a turkey trot together, like me and my dad, my boyfriend at the time and both my brothers. Um, so it just started to become like a bigger and bigger part of my life. And then I thought like, Hey, why don't I challenge myself a little bit and I'm going to run a half marathon. So I started, I, for some reason I decided the half marathon that I was going to run like the first ever race, I could never run a 5k or 10k. I was like, I'm going to run a half marathon and I'm going to run the more magazine women's half marathon in central park. For right. some reason I decided that was the one I wanted Which is to do. so random because as a so New Yorker, random. like no one, I, I mean, it, I love that race. I will preface this with, I've done that race two or three times. And every time I'm like, why am I doing this? And I love that race. But like for New Yorkers, it's like, why am I going to pay $80 to run two loops of right. central park where I run for free every single day? So it's not, and it's a women's only race. Um, which I always think I don't like, and then I always end up loving and yeah, it's like the least popular half in all of New York city. And I remember you choosing that as your first one. And I was like, all right, yeah, do it. Yeah. I still don't really understand, but, um, but when I was training, like I didn't really know about garments, like I didn't really know about pace. Like I just, you know, ran And it felt good. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to try running 13.1 miles. So I went, went to New York city with my boyfriend at the time. I didn't know anyone else that was running. Um, and I was like, all right, I guess I'm just going to go for it. And then I ran, I think I finished in like 145. And And I was like, Oh, fast. I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea. I was like, I think that's okay. Like, I think that's an okay time. I don't really care. I'm just happy that I finished. But like, I, I think that was an okay pace. And Um, at that race, that's like, it is there. That's very popular for walk runners, that race specifically. So I feel like if you ran a 145, you were probably in like the top 100 finishers. Yeah, I was. And it really kind of blew my mind. And I was like, oh, huh, so I guess I can maybe run a little fast and I really like racing because I had never raced before. And I was like, oh, this is why people race. 
Like, I get it now. Yeah, we've all been there, right? Um, yes. And then from there, you were on to the marathon. Yeah, so from there, so I had, you know, ran the half, and I was like, okay, so if I can run a half, like, I bet I can run a full. Um, and it took a couple of months to kind of think about how I wanted to do it and what race. And in that time, my dad was getting more sick. Um, and I thought like, okay, I want to run, I'd love to run a full marathon, but what if I can run the marathon and also, um, raise money. And so I, you know, chatted with my brother about it, who was also a runner. And we decided we would run the race. Um, we'd run a marathon together and fundraise for the AFTD in honor of my dad. And it kind of became the way that we told a lot of our community and friends and family that my dad had dementia because no one really knew up until that point, just our close friends and family. Um, but we used this, um, uh, just as like a kind of a positive way to tell our community and raise money for the AFTD. And it was so wonderful. It was my first experience fundraising and fundraising for a family member who was sick. And so to like put this really big emotional thing out there into the world, like, Hey, our dad is sick. And then just the response was so incredible. And so many people came out of the woodwork and donated money or just sent really nice emails. And then we ended up running the Providence marathon and it was my, my brother and two of my brother's best friends who were close friends of mine. We all ran the full marathon together. And then there were about 10 other friends that ran the half so there was a whole group of us and we were all running for the AFTD and we all had AFTD shirts on. Um, and my dad was there at the finish line and he like jumped in and ran over the finish line with my brother. And it was just the, it was the best day. Um, and I ran that marathon in a, I, I ran a three forty nine for your first marathon. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and your dad must have just been on cloud nine that day. Yeah, it was, he just, he had such a good time and he, I mean, throughout the whole time he was sick, he was just super positive. Um, it was pretty incredible to see, but he was just such a like loving, positive guy. And so he had so much fun being there with all of our friends and our family. And we spent the whole weekend in Providence and it was just like a really positive, wonderful weekend, like filled with a lot of love and to see his two kids like running a marathon. He just, it, it was probably one of the best days that he could yeah. imagine. That's yeah. awesome. And it's tough too, you know, you mentioned the way that you told people because we, you know, neither of us live there now, but like we grew up in a very small town. So like yeah. when someone is sick, it's like everyone knows and there is a lot of support which is amazing but like your dad was a big deal in town like everyone knew your dad um I always loved your dad because he made M&M pancakes <laughs> like my mom would make chocolate chip pancakes that's cool but like your dad introduced me to M&M pancakes and I yep. was like I'm always sleeping over here we get to have candy for breakfast and you had all the playmobiles that's oh like, yes did that is the number one thing I remember about 
your house is that you had every play, you had like your entire basement was just Playmobiles and you had all the houses and like nothing was cooler than Playmobiles. Oh, I didn't no. have it any Playmobiles. Yeah. And now the, all those Playmobiles, Playmobiles belong to my nieces. Oh, so, good. Yes, they've been passed down. Good. I'm glad. I think I only liked playing with the girl ones. I remember yeah. that being a thing. I was like, not very open-minded, I guess. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that's an amazing memory for your dad to have. And then you were like, I'm into the marathon thing because you ran another one not too long after, right? Right. So then I, so that was my first and I had such a great experience and I, I finished the marathon and I like felt pretty good. Um, I had been dealing with some knee pain and so I was going to the PT. Um, so I was really happy that my knee felt okay, but like physically I was just like, Oh, okay. I kind of like feel fine. I bet I could run faster. You're like uh, Elle Woods. Like what? Like it's hard <laughs> after running a marathon. In and so I was like, that's like, maybe, maybe I could try and qualify for Boston. I like, didn't really want to say it out loud to anyone, but it was in my head. Um, maybe next year I'll run another marathon and I'll try and qualify. So that's what I did. And so I trained for the Eugene marathon and the following year after Providence, I ran Eugene, which was like the best race experience I've ever had. It was just one of those days where like the stars aligned and it was a beautiful day. The weather was perfect. And it was just one of those runs that you dream about. Like my body felt good. My mind was in the right place. Um, and I was hoping to just, you know, I, I thought maybe I can qualify. I have no idea if I can run a 335. I have absolutely no idea, but I'm going to try. Like maybe I can just squeak under. Um, and I ended up running a 329. Yeah. So you have a nice six minute cushion. I would say, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you uh, made it in under the cutoff. But um, Eugene is like magical in that way because. This is the fifth episode of the Alley on the Run show, and you are now the second person who has had a who has talked about having a magical marathon in Eugene. So, oh wow, yes, I like when people are saying like I think I want to try and qualify for Boston, or I just like want a spring marathon that's really fun but fast. I always tell them to go to Eugene. Yeah, well, I tried in 2012. I was supposed to run. Oh the Eugene. right, I remember that. Um, I was supposed to run the Eugene Marathon, and I got really sick. I Well, it was also, like, so soon. I ran my first marathon in September of 2011, and then Eugene was in the spring at the time. Right. So it was going to be – I think it was in uh, May that year. So yes. it was going to be, like, really soon after. Like, I just recovered and was already starting to train, and my body just hurt. I didn't rest enough. I was overtrained. I was in, like, a bad place with exercise at the time. Um and then I got sick, my Crohn's, that was when it started to flare and get bad. So I ended up um, not running Eugene. So I have like, not even unfinished business. I have like unstarted business. <laughs> so Well, someday, someday you'll get there. <laughs> yes, I know. I need to. Um, so I want to get back to your job a little bit. I want to know yeah. what is the best, most rewarding part of your job and what is the hardest part? So... I mean, I, I think the most rewarding part is just being my own boss. And there's like an, obviously a number of things that are wonderful about that. Um, but 
for me, it was always so nice to be able to make my own schedule because, um, when my dad was really sick, I would go to New Hampshire pretty much every weekend, every other weekend to spend time with him. And sometimes during the week I would go up and see him if that like made sense for his schedule. So having flexibility in that way was so important for me. Um, and I just felt so lucky that I had a kind of job where I could just be like, Oh, I I really just want to go and have dinner with my dad right now, or I want to go spend the weekend with him and I could just do it. And I didn't have to ask permission. Um, and so that was huge. That was really, really huge for me. And I love just the community that I found, um, through my job, other small business owners and creative people I've met and become friends with just so many incredible people. A lot of them now are my closest friends and it's because of force bound. Um, and the hardest part is just, you know, I, I think bags are great, right? Like I love bags, but I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm passionate about bags. Okay. (laughs) Um, I thought that maybe I would be a farmer, um, or do something working outside with my hands. Like I love growing food. I love being outside. Um, and so I never thought that my job would be making bags. And so sometimes I struggle with that. Like I miss being outside every day. Um, and I think about like, what am I really contributing to the world by, making bags. Like sometimes I wish that I could do more. And so that's why Mm. I do a lot of fundraising. Um, so I think sometimes I just struggle with kind of doubting if my contributions to the world are kind of enough with making bags. Yeah. I can relate to that. Every time I write an article, that's like, 10 ways to lose 10 inches. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, (laughs) like, what am I doing? What is my purpose? (laughs) Um, so that's why I was like, you know what? I'm going to launch a podcast where we'll talk about running and (laughs) just I'll figure it out. I'll figure out how I'm going to make my impact at some point. But Um, I mean, you've run, you've raised so much money for for the the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Yeah. I have. No, I think that, I mean, you've done so much for, Cause I have a couple friends that have Crohn's disease. Um, and one of my closest friends has bad Crohn's and she's a runner and she just struggles all the time. And I've, you know, passed your blog along to her and along to a couple other people. And it, it is a huge like help and comfort. And just to like know that there are other people experiencing it and to like read about your experiences and you just like, don't hold back. You talk no. about it and, <laughs> People, people have a hard time doing that. People have a hard time just like being honest, especially with like the messy parts of life. And so I think you've done a lot for the running community and the Crohn's community. Well, thank you. That balances out then every piece of clickbait that I write that pays my bills. (laughs) Life is all about balance. I know. There are times that I'm like, ah, do I want to write this story? And then I'm like, wait, how much was our heating bill this month? Because I work from home and I keep it at 77 degrees. Okay. Yeah. I should write this story. Um, And I don't want to talk about me right now, but I do have a question for you since you mentioned Crohn's. Do you remember me being sick when we were in school together? No, not at all. I don't remember at all. I had no idea that you were sick. Yeah, because I only really was in like second grade. 
Um, really? And then anytime I like reconnect with someone, they're like, yeah, I had no idea that you had Crohn's disease. Because we I would say up. that like when like you and I were probably spending a fair amount of time together in like second grade, third grade, like that period of life. And it was I mean, also over the summer. Oh, when I got diagnosed, it was the summer before second grade. So I think that was when I was like most affected. And I think by the time we went back to school, it was like, yeah, I was okay. But still, I had I had no idea. Yeah, most people don't. Now everyone that I meet now knows. Right. They're like, oh yeah. Now and everyone in the world knows. You're that girl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So tell me about uh, you mentioned being able to work from home and set your own schedule. How is it as an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. And and working from home is hard because you're always you know kind of at work or in your studio. Do you feel that you have work life balance? No, I don't. Um, I am a workaholic as I think a lot of like entrepreneurs and small business owners are. And I mean, if it were up to me, I would just be working all the time. Um, just because I I could be working all the time because I have customers to deal with and bags to make. But I actually think that marathon training was a really good thing in that, um, I prioritized it. So I was able to like make a schedule like, okay, I'm going to, you know, arrive at work at 7am today and I'm going to leave my studio at 3pm so I can go in and get my run in before it gets dark. So it kind of made me have to prioritize something other than work. Um, and that was just super important for me to just be like, Oh, okay. I can do other things with my day. Like it doesn't just have to be a 7am to 7pm work day. Like I can marathon train and I can still go to work. Like, so it was really good for me to see just how I can structure my day differently and do things that weren't just work. Um, and so that was a couple of years ago. And I would say in the last few years, maybe the last two years, I just got pretty burnt out Um, and I do everything myself. And so I do all the, you know, making bags, I ship everything and I do all my customer service and I do, you know, all the bookkeeping. So it's a lot. And I just got really burnt out. Um, So I've been trying to have the summers be a little bit more laid back And I feel like in terms of life work balance, I've been prioritizing like summer weekends away with my boyfriend and my dog. And so, um, for a long time, Greg, my boyfriend worked in the same building that I did. My studio was in the same building as his, the the old company he worked for. So we would like leave work early on Fridays and I have a big old land cruiser, the same kind that I drove in high school. Um, and we do a lot of camping. So we'd like leave work early on Friday, camp on Friday night, camp on Saturday night. Um, and he has been a really good influence on me. And just in terms of like chilling out a little bit, like not having to work so much, it's good. Like it helps your work day when you're a little bit more relaxed. And that means like taking a day off or like taking a half day. So I feel like I'm getting better with work-life balance, but it's taken me 10 years. Yeah. So what, um, looking back on the past 10 years, what advice would you give 
to the Alice who was just starting out? I would say use your community. Um, don't be afraid to ask for help and ask for advice. Um, I'm very much of a, like, I can do it all myself kind of person. And I think that that is good in that it's helped me become a successful business person. Um, but just because you are that kind of person doesn't mean that you can't ask for help. Um, and so just use your resources, whether that be, you know, your parents or friends or people that run businesses that are similar to yours or for you, like other freelancers, like don't be afraid to reach out to people and ask them questions um, and ask for help. I love that. And I'm right there with you because I like my first year of freelancing, I was like, I'm just going to figure it out. And then... I always go back to the day that all my tax forms came, all my 1099s. Yeah. I had like 14 of them. And I was like, okay, Brian was going to do our taxes. And I was like, here are my 1099s. And he added everything up. He's like, okay, you owe the same amount that you made somehow. Like, yeah. And I was like, I don't have that. So, of course, now, you know, learning and asking, yeah. I am all about that as well. Um, what's next for you for running? So right now I'm actually taking a little bit of time off from running. Um, I ran Boston last year and that was incredible. It was like running Boston, as I'm sure you've heard from many people is just, it's an experience unlike anything else. Um, but I've got heat stroke, um, at like mile 10, and it was just, it was wild. Like I've never stopped during a marathon before or during any race. I've never stopped, but, um, I think I stopped at four different med tents during Boston and I somehow crossed the finish line. I like, don't remember. I was basically blacked out for, you know, 16 miles. Um, and so that it was just rough on my body and I had some like pretty persistent back pain, that was just caused from running. Um, and the only thing that would help was like really expensive body work. Of course. Of course. And so I'm just kind of at a place in my life where I'm trying to be smart and I'm trying to think about my body like five years from now, 10 years from now. Um, and so I'm doing the thing that I'm sure many other runners have also said where I'm prioritizing yoga. So I've been going to yoga a lot and I've been um, just taking a little break from running to heal my body. And I don't want to damage my back any more than it's like already damaged. So I'm taking a little bit of time off now. Um, and hopefully that just means I can come back into running stronger than before. And I'd really love to. So when I ran Boston, so my, my marathon PR is a three nineteen. Um, and when I was training for Boston, like I had the best training cycle, every run was awesome. Like my paces were just like much faster than I ever thought I would be able to run. And I know that I was trained for like a three ten. Um, and so I know very confidently that I have it in me, um, you know, a three fifteen or faster. And so I would really, really love to do that. I felt, I feel, I just feel like. I haven't, I haven't 
reached my running potential yet. There's still so much more that I could do, but I want to make sure that I go into that being as healthy as possible. Um, so I'm just trying to, you know, I'm thinking about it long term. And if I take one season off and focus on recovery and, you know, strength training, then next season, hopefully I'll run maybe Eugene again, or I really want to run Sugarloaf um, and just try and PR. I love it. All right. So I'll go run Eugene as well. Let's all yeah. do that. And then yeah. we can go to Maple Street School and run the mile again, oh, because I love that. that. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I'll sit on the sidelines with a mimosa, but I'll time uh, you. You know, like reclaim the mile. Yeah. <laughs> reclaim the I middle bet school that, mile. And I wonder if those like that rickety, um, it, they weren't even bleachers. It was literally no, like it, the back of an old truck that they put yes. like two seats on. Yeah. They were so rickety. Yeah. And then there was a swamp behind it where I used to go and collect yes. tadpoles. Yep. Oh, I remember that. Yep. Ryan would play, Ryan would have his soccer games and I would go and collect tadpoles because I was like <laughs> disgusting. Um, we had a lot of tadpoles at our house growing up, which my parents don't remember. And that really upsets me. So. Cause it was a, it was a big part of your childhood. I, I thought it was, I really yeah. fondly remember. I feel like you were part of it that we would go back oh, there yeah. and get all those tadpoles. Yeah. I frequently had like newts or salamanders and like frogs in my pockets growing up. It was oh, just, you always. know, New Hampshire living. I know people are always like, oh, you're from New Hampshire. It's so beautiful up there. I'm like, not really where I grew up. Yeah. I'm like, I don't associate Kentucky with being no. beautiful. Maybe like Hopkins Green where all the fancy houses right. are. Right. That was like, fancy. yeah. Yeah, we did the not. Downtown, downtown Katukuk is, it's charming. It's super charming. There is a laundromat and there was a video store that had and a VHS pizza place. tapes. Two pizza places. Louise's oh, right. and Dimitri's. Right. Um, yes. All right. Yeah. So people, if you are ever visiting Kentucky, hit up Dimitri's. It's like the worst pizza you'll ever have. But you can be like, oh my gosh, this is where Allie and Alice used to go yeah, back in the I day. I used to have a... Katie Siff and I would have a small pineapple pizza every Friday night. <laughs> Always pineapple pizza. Us yes. too. Like that must be such a New Hampshire. Like I still like pineapple pizza. I love it. No one likes it. People though. hate it. It's very controversial. Yeah. There's always like BuzzFeed stories. Like if you put pineapple on your pizza, you're savage. And I'm like, or you're from Kentucky. Right. Yes. Or Hawaii, I guess. I mean, we <laughs> called it the Hawaiian, but, um, all right. So I want to wrap this up with what we call the sprint to the finish round of questions. These are our rapid okay. fire questions that you've never heard before. And now I put you on the spot and it is stressful. It's, I mean, it's more stressful than running the mile. Wow. Okay. So, I'm ready for it. Here we go. Uh, what would your last meal on earth be? Um, probably, Alfredo. Just the sauce or? No, like, I mean, on pasta. <laughs> what kind? Um, fettuccine. Fettuccine Alfredo. I like it. Yes. Greatest fear? Um, heights. Mm -hmm. Favorite race you've ever done? Eugene. Favorite place you've ever run? Oh, um, one time I was visiting... Palm Springs, California with my boyfriend at the time. And I went on this incredible run and it was like desert land with like mountain in the background. And it was like 
up this super, super, super steep road that like the tram goes on. If anyone's ever been to Palm Springs, you know, like there's a tram up there. So I went up there and it was just like, so unlike any landscape that I'm used to in New England. So it stuck out in my mind. Nice. What is your favorite type of running workout to do? Um, I love mile repeats because I feel like it's the right distance where you can like push super, super, super hard and then recover for 400 meters and like push super, super, super hard. And it's challenging, but also like really rewarding when you look down and you're like, oh, wow, I just ran a sub six mile like seven times in a row. No, I actually cannot relate to that feeling, but it sounds <laughs> amazing. Uh, what is your go-to breakfast? Um, I love me a nice yogurt parfait. Are you still vegan? No. Oh, my God, oh, no. Okay. <laughs> no. So um, bacon, egg, and cheese. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. Saturday long run or Sunday long run? Sunday, for sure. What is your favorite thing to do after a long run? Um, I like to take a good ice bath because I don't know, it's just makes such a big difference and you have to do it. And, um, a nice ice bath, um, followed by a hot shower and then a big glass of orange juice, because for some reason I always crave really citrusy juice when I'm on a long run. It's really strange, but it's all I want. That's like so interesting. Or orange juice. Yeah. I feel like I, I can't even have mimosas after a long run because, I mean, again, I have, like, the most ridiculous stomach, but the acid just, like, tears me up. Oh. Huh. So you enjoy yeah. your – you know what? You can – we'll have, like, a split mimosa. You have the orange juice. I'll just have the champagne. Perfect. Teamwork. <laughs> uh, you're hosting a dinner party, and you get to have five guests. Who are they? Um – this is hard. Like celebrities or like friends and family? Whoever you want. Um, well, probably my best friend, Amy, because she's been living in Japan for the last year and I don't get to see her that much. Um, probably my niece, Alexandria, who's about to turn four and she's hilarious. And I'll add in my other niece, Holly, who's 12 and also hilarious. Um, maybe my dog, Maisie, because she's just the best and she's fun to have around, especially at dinner parties. And then I'll go with my nephew, Felix, who is nine months old. So there you go. <laughs> so it's you basically babysitting your dinner party yes. is, is your babysitting. And then you probably also have to cook. Uh, well, my friend Amy is an incredible cook. So oh, great. she can do the cooking and then I'll hang out with my nieces and nephew Perfect. and my dog. Wow, that's like, that's actually all I want to do these days is hang out with my nieces and my dogs. I know, I can relate to there that. There you go. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, who was your childhood crush? Um, oh my God, well, is it going to be like a person from Hockington? Because I can't say that. <laughs> well, A, yes you can. Um, is it Nate Simon? No. <laughs> uh, it was, I mean, if we we're talking like oh. elementary school, it Brenton Clay. Wh- okay, all right. <laughs> We'll talk about that after. Um, but like celebrity, celebrity crush. Uh, JTT for nice. sure. Yeah, so yeah. good. He was amazing as the voice of Simba in The Lion King. Oh yeah, and um, what? Home no, he wasn't. Who was? Who was Casper? Who was the one in Casper? Um, Devin Sawa. Devin Sawa. <laughs> yeah, him too. It's amazing to me that I can remember that. And yet I could not tell you what I had for breakfast yesterday, nor do I know what a parabola does. 
right? Yeah. Well, you know, priority priorities. Yeah. Uh, what was the last great thing that you purchased and would recommend to people? Let me think. Um, I don't buy that much for myself. So a forest bound bag. A forest bound bag. Yes, definitely. We'll go with a that. Bag. Yes. All right. Two more. Who's your favorite runner? Oh, um, my friend, Sarah Bard, who, um, if you don't know her, you should look her up. She's on Instagram or just Google Sarah Bard. She is an incredible distance runner. Um, and she's won like all these crazy races, which I can't list off the top of my head, but just, you know, look her up and your mind will be blown. She is amazing. And my last question is, what is one thing that you absolutely cannot live without? Uh, my dog. Yeah, maybe. I knew you were going to say that. It's like... Yeah, I, I can't help it. I mean, it's kind of expected, but she is just the best. What kind of dog is she? She's like a little um, terrier mix. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I know. Look at that face. I know you guys can't <laughs> see it because it's the, a podcast. Maybe I should make this a YouTube channel so we can just show everyone's oh, yeah. dogs. Oh, she is cute and fun. Yeah, she's a little, like, terrier rescue pup. She's a weirdo, but I, I don't know what I would do without her. Does she like to she's run? She's a good – yes, I was about to say. She's a great runner. Um, it took us a while because she's very squirrel-obsessed, so I was very afraid of being tripped. But um, after, after a few months, she got the hang of it, and now she loves running with me and running with my boyfriend sometimes, so – yeah, she's a great runner. I love it. All right. Well, we'll all road trip out to Eugene then so we can bring our dogs and they can cheer us yes. on and yes. it'll be the best ever. Sounds like a dream trip. I know. Well, thank <laughs> you so much for giving me your time today and chatting. It was so great catching up. I know. Thank you so much. It's just so fun. And everyone go check out Alice's bags at Forestbound. I will link to them in the show notes, of course. Uh, treat yourself to an escape bag. You will get so many compliments and you'll feel so cool. So oh. support her, support her bags, and have a great run today. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode five of the Alley on the Run show. I am having so much fun doing this and I'm hoping that you are enjoying listening as well. Thank you to Alice for being my guest. I am so thrilled that running has brought us together and helped us reconnect after all these years. As a reminder, we are doing a giveaway with this episode. We are giving away a forest-bound escape bag like the one that I proudly towed around as often as possible. All you have to do to enter to win is go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. Anyone who leaves a written review between now and February 21st will be entered to win, and I will announce the name of the winner on next week's show. Have a great run today. As always, you can follow me at AllieOnTheRun1 on Twitter and Instagram, or on my blog, AllieOnTheRunBlog.com. Talk to you next week.